You have to see these trade deals I'm working on. They're a disaster. Yes. That's the problem, Mr. President. They are a disaster. You're a disaster. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Oh, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle Heavens to Betsy from... Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on KSO, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, and Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF, fine affiliates all, not to mention... That we stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. This is the Bradcast, and I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. We've got a lot that I'm going to try to get to today, including maybe even Desi Doyen will be Whoa. joining us. Yes. Really? Maybe. We'll see for uh, a thrilling Green News report. They're always thrilling. As uh, extreme weather slams the globe and the nation from coast to coast. We'll be getting to that in a bit, but... I hope. But um, on Tuesday this past week, Georgia held its primary election runoffs and, uh, in what is likely to be uh, one of the, uh, if not the closest, uh, closest watch gubernatorial races this November. Georgia's far right, very Trumpy Republican Secretary of State Brian Kemp reportedly defeated Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle to win the GOP nomination. To run for governor this November on the state's 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems overseen by if that's uh, a word that could possibly have any meaning here overseen by Kemp himself. So he has assured us he um, he won the gubernatorial nomination on Tuesday that he oversaw. Bradcast listeners will, of course, recall that Brian Kemp has been a huge supporter of the state's unverifiable Diebold touchscreen voting system for many years. He refused to allow federal officials from DHS back in 2016 to help identify vulnerabilities in the state system. Remember that before the election? He was suggesting that the Obama administration was a, a, attempting a federal takeover of the state's voting system, which he said uh, at the time and still says now is totally secure, could not be tampered with. 
uh, and that nobody had ever tried to do so. Well, special counsel Robert Mueller uh, has different ideas about that. His recent indictment of 11 Russian military intelligence officials said that, in fact, yes, the state of Georgia was one of the states uh, that uh, the Russians had attempted to access in various uh, ways that are not specifically spelled out in the indictment. Maybe we'll find out in the future. But uh, as we learned, I think it was late last year. Time has lost all meaning to me. I think it was late last year. Uh, data security researchers had discovered well, we learned about this late last year. It had happened earlier. These uh, data researchers had discovered that Georgia's entire voter registration database, as well as the administrative passwords to its electronic voting and tabulation system, and the ballot programming instructions, etc., all of that was left online with no password protection at all for anybody to download or even to alter for years before both the 2016 presidential election and the very closely watched U.S. House special election uh, last year between Democrat John Ossoff and Georgia's former Republican Secretary of State herself, Karen Handel, in the state's 6th Congressional District. It was the most expensive U.S. House race in history at the time. Ossoff appeared to uh, have a very good chance of winning that race, only to find that he lost to handle, reportedly, after some electronic tabulator failures also occurred on election night in that race. Did he actually win? Did he actually lose? We can't know because they use those 100% unverifiable touchscreen systems. Anyway, that is the system that Secretary of State Brian Kemp thinks is wonderful and that will most likely be used unverifiably yet again this November in Georgia when Kemp will take on Democratic nominee Stacey Abrams for governor in a much-watched much race that could result in the nation's first African-American female governor if the Democrat is victorious there. To do that, however, voters will have to be able to cast their votes cast them at all, even if it's on a 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting system. And given what happened in several precincts this past Tuesday, uh, which could be a very bad sign for November, there is no guarantee that they'll even be able to cast those votes. According to uh, 11 Alive, the NBC affiliate, uh, one of the NBC affiliates in Georgia, uh, during voting on Tuesday, 11 Alive received numerous complaints about problems at the polls. People called from the polls saying they tried to vote at several different polling places in Cobb County, which is a suburban area just northwest of Atlanta, which would be uh, a Democratic uh, stronghold for Abrams this November. In any event, uh, they called from several polls saying that they um, that they couldn't vote. They were having trouble voting. They were told they weren't in the system. Their names, their voter registrations were not in the system, even though they said they had voted at these same polling places for years. This is just this past Tuesday. Those voters were given provisional ballots instead. Uh, one of them, a 92-year-old man from Roswell, said he lived in the same house for 40 years and told 11 Live he has voted in all elections and doesn't understand why he wasn't showing up in the system, why he had to vote provisionally. George Fox is his name. He said, I want my ballot to count today, not Friday. 
That's why I'm voting. Apparently, that's when uh, these provisional ballots will be counted, if at all, from this race. Fox said, uh, they said I have to vote a provisional ballot, but they couldn't give me any rationale for doing so. That's what bothers me. 11 Alive also talked to a frustrated woman in East Cobb who said she wants to make sure her vote counts. Nancy Scott, uh, who lives in the 6th District, where that uh, U.S. House special election was held last year, said when they scanned my driver's license that I renewed in May... They said I would have to have a provisional ballot. I asked them to call Cobb elections, and they said they couldn't let me vote because of orders of the Secretary of State, Brian Kemp. So apparently in uh, Georgia, when you go to vote, you have to show them your driver's license. They scan it, and they find it in the system with these electronic poll books. So what was the problem? 11 Alive reports that uh, Fulton, that's uh, that's Atlanta, and Cobb County Elections uh, Boards claim that it stems from a federal court order that required Georgia to reopen voter registration in counties with federal races. In this case, that would be congressional districts 6 and 7, which cover Cobb, DeKalb, uh, Fulton, Forsyth, and Gwinnett counties. They had to reopen registration because Brian Kemp had tried to close, shut it down after the uh, after the uh, primaries earlier in the year in an effort to include new voters. Those counties relied on lists from the Department of Driver Services or DDS. But it appears that DDS flagged people who renewed their licenses during that period as having moved as a result They did not appear in the system. According to the Secretary of State's office, when voters renewed their driver's license, uh, this time uh, the extra four digits, the extra four numbers were added to their zip codes. And so the computers interpreted that as a completely different address, a brand new address, even if they lived in the same house for decades because their zip code had changed with the addition of those, those four digits. My God, that is so stupid. Yep. And uh, Richard Barron, the director of registration and election for Fulton County, said all of those people, even if they've been living in the same house for 30 years, were thrown into this supplemental list that was forced to vote provisionally in Fulton County alone. They had 600 provisional ballots, uh, which election officials say is very high for an election like this. Remember, this wasn't even the primary. This was the primary runoff for a midterm election. So uh, what will be done to make sure this doesn't happen in the general election in November? Well, apparently the NBC affiliate reports that the good news is this was the only election where we will see this. Last year, because a federal court ordered that Georgia reopen its voter registration between the primary and the runoff, uh, because of that, Barron said uh, that uh, that was the reason for this. Just this extra supplemental group of voters who were added to the list. Barron said it will only be a one-time problem. He said it's only for this election. Once we get away from this election, we won't have to deal with that in the fall. Feel better? No. I fully expect they'll have just as many problems come November. Well, yeah, they probably will. So this is uh, take. Please take this as another reminder to make sure you are properly registered. But uh, yeah, they, they will. Uh, th- again, this was a, a runoff for a primary, a primary for a midterm 
imagine what could happen this November because Georgia uses these electronic poll books. And if for some reason, if for any reason you don't properly show up, you don't get to vote. Well, you get to vote provisionally, which may or may not be counted. Even if you set that problem aside, uh, Channel 2 is uh, WSB TV Channel 2 in Atlanta. Uh, they talked to voters in Cobb County who said there were problems with the uh, with the machines at the Blackwell Elementary School. Again, the electronic polling system is what they're talking about here. The Cobb County elections director told Channel 2's Audrey Washington that the, quote, check-in express polling units. <laughs> that's the uh, Orwellian named uh, electronic poll books there. The check-in express did not have power on Tuesday morning. When voting began because the batteries had been drained, the batteries had been drained. Apparently, uh, the system couldn't be plugged in and apparently Georgia doesn't bother to order paper poll books as backups at the precincts to be used when something like this occurs. So voters could not vote at this precinct. So uh, while things were getting fixed for about 45 minutes, again, first thing in the morning during the rush hour for people to vote before they have to be at work, uh, provisional ballots were being handed out at this particular precinct. One voter said that she wished the voting location would have been better prepared. Gosh, you think? And But it's not just the voting location. It's the Secretary of State. It's the way the uh, the state of Georgia runs their elections. They should order paper polling rosters, registers, pa paper poll books, whatever they are, so that if there is, if the power goes out, people can vote. If they don't show up in the stupid computer system, if it's mistaken, if it's hacked, if, God forbid, they add four-digit numbers to the end of the zip code, they can still find the people in the paper roster and let them vote. It's not the precinct. It's the statewide system. Imagine if there's, oh, I don't know, a blackout. Yep. Power outage. Yep. Local. Yep. Wherever you are, you're going to have a problem. This November, on one day, on that Tuesday in November, when all of this comes down at once. Probably the most important uh, election, certainly the most important midterm election this uh, this country has ever had, I suspect. Uh, anyway, uh, one of the voters said uh, that the uh, poll workers there handed themselves professionally. There was nothing that they could do and they didn't know what to do. Some of the voters with provisional ballots questioned whether their vote would actually be counted. The uh, director of elections said because there is no question about eligibility in these cases, every vote will be counted. Well, maybe. And in Georgia, if they were able to vote on a paper provisional ballot, that might actually be a better chance uh, for them to have their votes tallied as per their intent. But I don't know if uh, Cobb County in this case uses their 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems for provisional ballots as well as incredibly uh, some jurisdictions uh, actually do. Even if you have to vote provisionally, you have to vote on those crappy touchscreens in a number of places around the country. Don't know if Georgia is one of them or not. So um, there's your fair warning for today about what could happen this November. And uh, to give you a heads up to try to take at least some action, today's action, once again, check your voter registration. Check it several times between now and November.
check your information as well. Make sure your information is accurate because you might say, oh, I'm still registered, but you might not notice your information was messed that up it like matches, in Georgia. That it matches your ID in a state like Georgia, which requires strict uh, very strict forms of photo ID in order to be able to vote at all. And help your friends and family do so as well. All right, I got to take a quick break because there's uh, a number of things I want to get to in our second block here uh, that I want to make sure we have time for. So uh, stand by for that. We, we talked a little bit earlier this week about how much Republicans love big government. Yes, they actually do, and how much they hate states' rights and local control. Let's take a quick break here, because I want to come back and talk about how much they also love, wait for it, socialism. Yes, socialism. That's coming up, along with the Green News Report. Maybe on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. This land is your land, and this land is my land, from the California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with uh, Woody Guthrie and a good uh, socialist song there, isn't it, Des? <laughs> oh, indeed. Uh, we have been uh, exploding this uh, this week, exploding a, a bunch of uh, old uh, GOP myths um, on a number of points. I want to get to yet another one of them today. Uh, but just after we got off air... On our previous broadcast, Donald Trump and European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker at the White House announced what Trump naturally hailed as a great breakthrough deal in response to his imported steel and aluminum tariffs uh, coming from uh, China, Europe, Canada, Mexico, and so forth, and, uh, and uh, threats of still more trade wars with our allies in the EU. The corporate media played along, sent out all kinds of alerts to the so-called deal between Donald Trump and, uh, and uh, the EU. In an email today, financial journalist David Dayen writes, uh, emerging from a meeting with European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker, Trump hailed a historic deal, also known as, quote, basically the way things were on May 31. That would be before he implemented the stupid taxes on imported steel and aluminum. Dan writes in exchange uh, that this deal was in exchange for, quote, working toward eliminating metal tariffs. The EU promised to buy some of the soybeans the Chinese aren't buying any longer in retaliation for Trump's uh, trade war sanctions against them, which is subsequently wiping out farmers in the Midwest. The fact that China just stopped buying pretty much all soybeans from the U.S. And uh, David notes, um, 
that uh, someday the deal will also include once liquefied natural gas export terminals are actually built, the deal will include uh, something that they will buy that LNG from the U.S. when and if that happens. Right, because those terminals aren't built yet. Uh, And then the pair announced an intention to negotiate on further uh, tariff reductions, which uh, David says, I didn't know you had to announce an intention to negotiate on further reductions. Uh, The average tariff between the uh, U.S. and E.U. on both sides of the border is under 2 percent. I'm not sure if that's counting Trump's steel and aluminum tariffs at uh, 25 percent and 10 percent respectively. Meanwhile, David adds, uh, in a restart of FDR's New Deal, farmers will get the aid that they did not need before Trump's self-created turbulence began, based on a 1930s-era program that was apparently still lying around. Now, as we noted earlier in the week, it ain't just Donald Trump who's conning the world. The Republican Party has been doing this for many years now. Trump is but the fruit of that poisoned, corrupt, dishonest, and hypocritical tree on... um, I guess it was Tuesday's program. We had talked about how Republicans who have pretended for years to oppose big government, pretending to support states' rights and local government control, you know, control by the people who understand the effects of big government regulations most directly on their lives. But as we explained uh, in that show, covering a whole bunch of examples, uh, that's total BS. The GOP is more than happy to override and preempt smaller government, local government, whether it be overriding California's right to regulate its own environment, as the Trump administration is now attempting to do, or whether it's Republicans who run the state of Texas uh, and Republicans elsewhere, overriding and preempting city and county ordinances on fracking and uh, discrimin- LGBT discrimination, bans on plastic bags, and yes, even voter initiatives adopted by actual voters on those things. Uh, or as the cities, uh, several cities now in Texas are attempting to ensure paid sick leave for workers on ballot initiatives that voters decided on. These Republicans are trying to override, trying to preempt those small government, local control uh, uh, rules that voters have put in place. Well, lying about supporting states' rights and small government and indeed small D Democratic voters, uh, you know, of their own constituents, Uh, That's not the only big lie that Republicans have been hoaxing the world with for years. There's also their pretend and newly renewed objection to so-called socialist policies. Socialism. That's their uh, newest and uh, arguably oldest front uh, fighting against socialism. Save America from socialism. Never mind that the most popular policies in the country happen to be socialist policies like, you know, social security, Medicare, Medicaid, the federal interstate highway system, the military, the military. Uh, Health care for the military. Policemen, teachers, firefighters, roads, bridges, stuff like that. Socialist. 
But uh, anyway, yes, like uh, so-called big government that they pretend to oppose, they, they're they also against socialism, but only when it's helpful for them to pretend to be against socialism. So, uh, yeah, they're against socialist policies, except when, for example, business interests need socialist policies in order to save them. They don't seem to mind socialism quite as much for some reason in those cases. As they say, privatize the profits, socialize the losses. Like the bank bailout. Yes, Remember that? Yes. That was fun. That was fun. Uh, who was the uh, president at the time who bailed them out? Oh, that was uh, George W. Bush. Yep. Yeah. And then they pretended that Obama was the big socialist because he continued the program and got us out of the mess that those Republicans had caused. And anyway. rescued the world economy. Okay. So, uh, yes, as the New York Times reports this week, the Trump administration announced on Tuesday that it would provide up to $12 billion in emergency relief for farmers hurt by the president's trade war, moving to blunt the financial damage to American agriculture and the political fallout for Republicans as the consequences of President Trump's protectionist policies roll through the economy. That's what David Dayan was talking about, this FDR-era program uh, that Donald Trump is using, this New Deal program, this New Deal socialist program to save the farmers, which are only hurting right now because of what Donald Trump has done to them. By the way, they're having a bumper year, a bumper crop, but uh, they were screwed over by the president that many of these farmers voted for. The Times continues, unveiled two days before the president was scheduled to visit Iowa, a politically important state that is the nation's top soybean producer. The farm aid appeared calculated to show that Mr. Trump cares about farmers and is working to protect them from the worst consequences of his trade war. Message, he cares. Washington Post adds the aid is designed to help farmers now facing crippling tariffs in China, Mexico and other countries that impose these levies on U.S. products in response to Trump's new tariffs on imported steel and aluminum. White House officials say farmers will begin seeing payments from the federal government by September. Many of those farmers, by the way, uh, for decades have already been enjoying payments from the federal government. Yes, Socialism. Anyway, uh, they'll get, get payments in this uh, new program or this old renewed program uh, in September, and they hope the payments will quiet protests by farm groups and lawmakers, many of them Republicans, who contend that Trump's confrontational trade policy is harming American farmers months before the 2018 midterm elections. So that's the plan. It won't cover nearly all of the losses that these farmers are already taking. But Republicans in Congress are now pretending, pretending, mind you, that they're not happy about this at all. They're not happy about this, yes, socialism. But they're not actually unhappy enough about this, yes, socialism to take any actual action other than to say they're terribly unhappy about this. Yahoo News reports that in attempting to patch things up with farmers hurt by the trade war he initiated, President Trump managed to anger both farm state Republicans who say their constituents would rather sell their crops than collect a government subsidy and representatives of non-farm states saying, hey, how about us? Can we get some of that socialism, too? 
And I haven't done an exhaustive review of all the media outlets, but oh, I have. But I don't necessarily. I don't see any media, corporate media outlet, at least, asking how Republicans plan to pay for for this. that twelve billion dollars. Yeah, I seem. To, I'm so old. I remember when they hammered Bernie Sanders. How you plan to pay for that? Yep. But they never ask. They never ask the Trump administration. How do you plan to pay for that? So on Tuesday, he announced this bailout, $12 billion. It is a bailout for American farmers. And Senator Bob Corker, our old Republican friend from Tennessee, told reporters uh, in Washington, quote, you have a terrible policy that sends farmers to the poorhouse, and then you put them on welfare, and we borrow the money from other countries. It's hard to believe that's how we get the money, Des, in case you're wondering. It's borrowed from other countries. Uh, it's hard to believe there isn't an outright revolt right now in Congress, says Senator Corker. Well, it's not that uh, hard to believe, Senator, since you ought to be the one leading this revolt. But remember, you quit, announced your retirement uh, from, uh, from, from the Senate rather than fighting and now you say occasional things that disagree with the president and then you vote for all of his crap anyway and you don't actually propose any bills that take action against his crap. Uh, Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski, she also bristled about singling out farmers for this socialism. Uh, they are uh, feeling these negative effects of Trump's escalating trade wars with China and the EU. But she says, hey, what about the manufacturing sector? What about the energy sector? The oil and gas industry, said Murkowski. Uh, I'm not sure the oil and gas industries are hurting, but yeah, she wants some of this as well. Already purportedly miffed by the president's actions on trade, uh, adding subsidies for farmers is seen by many Republicans in Congress as making an unfortunate situation worse. Yahoo News reports Rand Paul said tariffs are taxes that punish American consumers and producers if tariffs punish farmers. The answer is not welfare for farmers. The answer is remove the tariffs. Okay, have you proposed any bill, Senator Paul, to do exactly that? Because you've been supporting Donald Trump a whole lot lately. I haven't heard you uh, file any bills to take on uh, to, to offer a response to what he's doing. Senator Ben Sass, Republican of Nebraska, said, quote, this trade war is cutting the legs out from under farmers and White Houses. And the White House's plan is to spend 12 billion dollars on gold crutches. This administration's tariffs and bailouts aren't going to make America great again. They're just going to make it 1929 again. <laughs> That's not ominous at all. Yes. So, um, meanwhile, Trump was uh, pushing this $12 billion plan at a speech in Kansas City, Missouri on Tuesday before the Veterans of Foreign Wars. Um, just hours after he uh, tweeted and uh, tried to assure his own Republican colleagues that they were mistaken about tariffs, he tweeted, tariffs are the greatest Either a country which has treated the U.S. unfairly on trade, negotiates a fair deal, or gets hit with tariffs. It's as simple as that, and everybody's talking. Everybody's talking? They're all complaining about your policy, Mr. President. Uh, during his speech to the VFW, uh, he uh, warned the audience, uh, we played the audio yesterday, what you're seeing and what you're reading is not what's happening. He actually said that. Uh, and then added that farmers will be the biggest beneficiary. Just watch. All right. Well, we are watching. 
to drive home his point uh, that uh, the critics were wrong. He has uh, said many times now trade wars are good and easy to win. And then he uh, blamed the media for uh, anything that these people in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, may have heard about all these farmers actually losing money. So he been uh, profits are down something like 20 percent since he instituted his uh, since he began his trade war in May. Trump said, uh, don't believe the crap you see from these people, the fake news. All right. So uh, anyway, the solution to this problem apparently is socialism, according to the capitalist Republican uh, president of the United States. And the GOP apparently loves it, even when they pretend they don't. They could take action. They could have taken action weeks ago, easily passed a bill to stop Trump from being able to do these tariffs at all. But they didn't. So, yes, they love socialism. And I've got one more example of this that I've been trying to get to for a few days here, if you don't believe me. This is a, a story from AP a week or two ago that covered the story of this uh, Indiana man who they report uh, turns nostalgic whenever he talks about growing up in small-town Columbus, Indiana, where his father helped build a Midwestern empire of more than 200 gas stations that provided an upbringing on the, quote, front row of the American dream. But the collapse of that company, known as Keel Brothers Oil Company, uh, was well publicized back in 2004 when they uh, declared bankruptcy. But less known is that the state of Indiana and to a smaller extent, Kentucky and Illinois as well, are all still on the hook for millions of dollars to clean up more than 85 contaminated sites across those three states including underground tanks that leaked toxic chemicals into the soil uh, and into streams and into drinking water wells. Indiana alone has spent at least $21 million on the cleanup thus far. Remember, they went out of, uh, they declared bankruptcy back in 2004. Uh, so Indiana alone. That doesn't count the other states. That doesn't count the federal government. They have already spent $21 million in state taxpayer dollars to clean up after this gas uh, gas station company. That's an average of about $500,000 per site so far by the state only, according to an analysis of records by the Associated Press. And they add the work is nowhere near complete. The federal government... Meanwhile, plans to clean up a plume of cancer-causing solvent discovered beneath a former Keel Brothers station that threatens drinking water near the hometown of this uh, man's family. To assess the pollution cost, the AP reviewed thousands of pages of court documents and tax statements and business filings, as well as federal and state environmental records for Indiana, Kentucky, and Illinois. The total financial impact is not clear. Because Indiana officials have yet to release the cost figures for at least 12 contaminated uh, areas, sites. Other records, they say, are incomplete and redacted or missing. But, the, uh, but this is a lot of money, and it's coming, yes, from the government. It's uh, socializing the losses, privatizing the profits, socializing the losses yet again. And when we say it's coming from the government, it's coming from you. The taxpayer who funds the government, who puts up the money 
for the government funding. The, the public cleanup of more than 25 Keel Brothers sites in Kentucky and Illinois, uh, where officials have done apparently a better job of keeping costs down. That has been much less expensive. That totaled about $1.7 million, according to uh, the records from each state's uh, public, uh, obtained under each state's public records law. AP notes that Keel Brothers has paid for only a fraction of the overall effort of this cleanup, according to court documents. Indiana's Department of Environmental Management, which regulates gas stations, uh, did not respond to a list of detailed questions from the AP. Spokesman there said that the agency is working to provide records requested under Indiana's public records law that might be able to shed some light on how much former Keel Brothers sites have actually cost the state. In a statement, uh, the uh, the man's older brother, Greg, who was president of Keel Brothers when it went bankrupt, uh, and he's now running for Congress as a Republican, he distanced himself from the cleanup costs, saying that uh, he had nothing to do with Keel Brothers since 2004. This is another attempt by the liberal media to rehash old baseless attacks. Yes, he got out of the business when they declared bankruptcy and left the mess to everyone else. That would be you and me to clean up. The fact that the company stuck taxpayers with the lion's share of the cleanup bill rankles some observers, especially in light of the family's reputation as budget hawks, critical of government spending. The family has uh, some answering to do, said uh, James Barn, an environmental law professor who served in high-ranking posts at the Environmental Protection Agency under President Ronald Reagan. Nearly a decade after going under, Keel Brothers sites ranked among the top 10 recipients of state money for such cleanups in Indiana for some reason. This was out of more than 230 companies who are seeking cleanup money from the state. This was back in 2013, the last year for which the petroleum industry has reliable spending data for the company. So they got a whole bunch of this money for some reason even though a whole bunch of others, including major gas station change, uh, chains with substantially larger presence in the state, were also trying to get money. By the early 2000s, Keel Brothers, before they went under, they were swimming in debt as the industry consolidated and uh, low gas prices stretched profit margins to the brink. The business racked up environmental fines along the way, and they closed stores. And then finally, in June of 2004, the company filed for bankruptcy. Many of the gas stations were sold off. Some are actually still operating, but some sites were just abandoned completely. Just They just walked away from them, including a graffiti-covered storage tank facility that once towered over an Indianapolis neighborhood, AP reports. Nearby residents cheered just last December as a crew finally tore down the tank. That cleanup alone will cost an estimated $260,000, according to the city who is paying for it. Elsewhere in the city, business continues as usual at a gas station, a Keel Brothers station that has been in continuous state of cleanup since 1990. Pictures taken back in 1992 show standing pools of black sludge where two underground storage tanks were removed. Since then, it has become one of the most expensive Keel Brothers sites, costing the state $1.7 million. 
In the, in the immediate aftermath of the 2004 bankruptcy, the state had sought about $8.5 million from the company for cleanups and fines. But a year later, after Republican Governor Mitch Daniels assumed office in 2005, the state dropped that claim, which had been filed under Daniels' Democratic predecessor. So uh, it was going to the state knew it was going to cost at least eight and a half million dollars that they were uh, demanding from the company in the bankruptcy filing that was owed to the state for this cleanup. But suddenly they elected a Republican governor and he said, oh, you know what? Never mind on that. Tim Method, a former deputy commissioner of the Indiana Department of Environmental Management, said the state's approach to business regulations changed abruptly with that new administration back in 2005. He says Daniels, Governor Daniels, Republican Governor Daniels at the time, felt we ought to work for business rather than be a hindrance. We've heard this a lot from environmental agencies around the country and now at, certainly at the federal level when they're taken over by Republicans. We're here to work for business, not to uh, keep the public safe from those businesses. And that's what they did in Indiana. Within months, AP notes, Daniels appointed uh, the man's uh, brother as deputy commissioner of the Department of Environmental Management. So the, the, the man's brother, the one who was in charge of the company when it went bankrupt, Daniels, Governor Daniels, appointed him to be a commissioner at the Department of Environmental Management in Indiana, the same agency that was fighting Keel Brothers in court. For some families living near Columbus, the Keel Brothers business left behind more than debt. They smelled oil in water that was drawn from their private wells. Nearly three decades later, three decades later, the unincorporated area known as Garden City is a federal Superfund site, a designation reserved for the nation's most heavily polluted locations. These are sites, Desi, that are so dirty, so toxic. So messed up, they are beyond the capacity of state and local officials to take on and clean up. That the federal government has to come in. Has to step in and use federal tax dollars to clean up. Socialism. Investigators initially determined the Keel Brothers was the source of this uh, oil that was, uh, being that was being smelled in the drinking water. Uh, they were the uh, source of the oil, uh, along with a plume of trichloroethylene detected decades ago under a gas station. The EPA says the plume is drifting toward the aquifer that is Columbus, Indiana's primary source of drinking water. Indiana has spent more than $860,000 cleaning up that petroleum, the EPA estimates, it uh, could take uh, it could cost anywhere from three hundred and fifty thousand to one and a half million to take care of the chemical, the TCE in this area, which taxpayers will foot the bill for. After Keel Brothers filed for bankruptcy, more than five hundred creditors sought more than one hundred and fifty million dollars from the company with the state of Indiana filing one of the largest claims. Records showed for more than eight and a half million dollars. But that was what the state dropped a year later for some reason. John Pothow, a bankruptcy expert and University of Michigan Law School professor, said you don't normally drop your claims in a bankruptcy case. 
He said, so that's kind of weird. He said, if I'm a creditor, I'm elated that one of my peers dropped their claim. So by Indiana dropping their claim, that means other businesses who had claims on this company might be able to get more of their money back, but the taxpayers won't. When an underground tank leaks, companies are liable for the damage, but Indiana has been especially amenable to using public money to pay for heavily contaminated soil to be excavated and for high-powered pumps to suck toxic liquid and vapor from the soil. The state's payout limit used to be $2 million, $2 million per site until... The new governor who came in, uh, Governor Mike Pence, signed a 2016 law as governor, increasing that amount to $2.5 million per site. Nice of the Governor Pence to do. In 2016, Indiana paid out nearly two and a half times the national average per incident, according to records. And as a matter of fact, just outside of the Pence's hometown, the state installed elaborate water filtration systems. Thank you, state. Thank you, socialism. At uh, several homes and businesses, not all of them, but at several homes and businesses that happen to be closest to the service station above the chemical plume in question. Mike Musalami, owner of a drive-in restaurant, said that he's fortunate to have the equipment, which is mandated, I'm sorry, which is maintained, by state officials, installed and maintained by state officials, so the restaurant can serve water that doesn't have toxic chemicals in it. That's nice of them. But many of his customers, he says, are not as lucky. They rely on bottled water or paper cartridge filters, or they simply take the risk of drinking water from the tap with, without an elaborate filtration system. So the state couldn't take care of everybody. They took care of certain people, and they are paying through the nose for what this company did. And they have been doing so now for decades, and it looks like they're going to be doing so for years in the future. And now the EPA, federal tax dollars, everyone around the country is paying to clean this up. This mess that has been going on for decades that Mike Pence was so friendly uh, about for some reason... Uh, in extending the amount of money that the state was willing to uh, to pay to clean up these messes, to give to these companies, to forgive these companies. Well, there may be a reason why uh, Governor Mike Pence was so forgiving. The man cited in this Associated Press article happens to be former Republican Indiana congressman and then governor and now vice president Mike Pence. Yes, this was his family's company. And it is his brother, Greg Pence, who is now running for Mike Pence's old seat in the U.S. House this November. But, you know, they're all working real hard to save the country. All of these Republicans are working real hard to save this country from socialism. Quick break, and we are back with the Green News Report after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. 
but we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. You know, they're, they're, they're not conservatives, they're not against big government, uh, they're, they're not against socialism, they're just a bunch of liars. It's incredible that Democrats... And the media. have Well, that Democrats have so much trouble beating these liars. Well, I think it's because of the media a lot of the way. Well, I, you know what? Yeah, sure, blame the media, but blame the Democrats for not stepping up and capitalizing on these, uh, no pun intended, capitalizing on these just blatant hip- hypocrisies and lies from these Republicans. Is it that hard to point these things out? Uh, Well, apparently it is because, you know, Democrats continue to call them conservatives when they're not. Media calls them conservatives when they're not. They let them get away with this crap. Why aren't Democrats out there yelling? uh, Yes, thank you, Donald Trump, for using socialism to fix the mess your trade wars caused. But anyway. All right. Well, if they won't do it, I guess we have to do it. So. That was a fun story of Indiana. Been I like trying it. to get to that for a while. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of oil and gas interests, um, the world is still ablaze this week, as detailed in our latest Green News report. These images look like Dante's Inferno. Extreme weather brings a hot and deadly July to most of the planet. Yosemite National Park will be closing today due to dangerous conditions. Wildfires force evacuations in the U.S. West. Get this, they got a month of rain in mere days. While extreme storms and floods pummel the east. Plus, the Trump administration this week is expected to open a new front in America's environmental battle. Trump and the GOP expand their war on the environment. All of those battles and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. This is really about rewarding the largest corporate polluters. Of course, they're not just going to pollute for free, you know. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, we look away for just a few days, and man, it's like the entire planet is on fire. Yeah, extreme weather has brought a hot and deadly July to much of the planet. Greece has declared a state of emergency after intense heat and wind-driven wildfires killed more than 80 people. Outbreaks of wildfires in Europe now extend above the Arctic Circle, which is also in the midst of an unprecedented heat wave. Northern Finland this week hit an all-time high temperature record of 94 degrees. This is above the Arctic Circle. The BBC reports that El 
elsewhere in Europe, farmers are declaring bankruptcy because of crop failures due to persistent drought and heat. Japan also hit an all-time high heat record, 106 degrees Fahrenheit, amid a weeks-long extreme heat wave that has killed at least 70 people and sent 22,000 people to hospitals. Mm. Just weeks after record rains triggered deadly flash floods and landslides that also killed hundreds. Now, to be clear, of course, it's summer, so we expect the weather to be warm, but these are record warm temperatures all across the globe. And not just record warm temperatures, record extreme rain events. These are in line with what climate scientists have projected we will see thanks to man-made global warming. Well, we are seeing it. Yep. And in California, officials have ordered evacuations and partial closure of Yosemite National Park at the height of the tourism season due to the fast-moving Ferguson fire. Smoke from that fire has also made air quality in the park worse than notoriously polluted Beijing, China. Mm. On the East Coast, 30 million people are facing flash flood warnings from extreme rainfall events, with Pennsylvania in particular grappling with historic flooding. Meanwhile, in politics, leaked documents show that the Trump administration intends to strip key provisions from the Endangered Species Act to cripple the nearly 50-year-old law that has saved iconic American wildlife like the grizzly bear and the bald eagle and more than 200 other animals from extinction. Biologists say gutting the Endangered Species Act will harm healthy and productive ecosystems. But according to Brett Hartle of the Center for Biological Diversity in an interview on Fox News, the administration's goal is really just to benefit industry. It will probably over time and collectively degrade many of the natural areas that are part of America's heritage. This is really about rewarding the largest corporate polluters. That was on Fox News? Yes, it was. How'd that happen? Republicans in Congress are also working on legislation to eliminate protections for wildlife. The Sierra Club called the coordinated assault, quote, essentially a death sentence to some of our most imperiled wildlife. Former Congressman John Dingell of Michigan, one of the original authors of the Endangered Species Act, told National Geographic it would not pass Congress with today's anti-science Republican majority. He said, quote, I don't think I could pass the Lord's Prayer in that nuthouse. <laughs> Love John Dingell. The Trump administration also plans to try to revoke the state of California's special authority under the Clean Air Act to set its own tougher emission standards for vehicles to reduce its air pollution. That's a move expected to launch a lengthy court battle that very likely could reach the U.S. Supreme Court. And because Republicans believe so much in states' rights that they want to keep California from having the right to determine their own environmental regulations. Thousands of pages of internal emails accidentally released and then retracted by the Interior Department show that contrary to his public statements, Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke and his aides dismissed archaeological discoveries and evidence showing that the economic benefits of tourism bring billions of dollars in revenue to rural economies. They used that to justify shrinking national monuments for the benefit of mining, logging, ranching, and drilling interests. It bears pointing out that once lost, Americans' public lands and animals are gone for good. Finally, the Trump administration has ended a requirement that industries must pay when their operations cause damage to the public's lands, meaning drillers, miners, and land developers will no longer be required to pay to repair any damages that they cause to wildlife and habitats on public lands. Of course they won't. 
For much more on all of these stories and the many we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? It tastes paradise, put up a parking lot. Well, that was a depressing Green News report. <laughs> well, you know, things are happening, and uh, it's uh, easy for these things to get lost in the in the mix of everything else. We can't blame you for things that are happening. That's we true. We can, uh, can't even blame you for thing, for reporting things that are happening. That last story there, uh, by the way, from the, uh, was it the EPA? Who, no, who, it's the internal, it's, I'm sorry, it's the Interior Department Bureau right. of Land Management that has ended the requirement that companies have to pay if they damage wildlife or public lands. Mainly that's for the oil and gas industry. So that's the... The exact same thing we were talking about in the previous segment uh, where, you know, Mike Pence's own family company polluted the hell out of, you know, the entire state of Indiana and Kentucky and Illinois with their gas stations. And then they allow the state. The state comes in and cleans it up. Now it's the federal government. And now, I guess, even on federal lands. Oh, yeah. And now if they spill the, the federal government, don't worry about it. Oil and gas company will take care of it. The public will take care of it. Uh, and then they pretend they're against socialism. And this is after they've destroyed your natural resources and left. <sighs> hey, uh, we're leaving, too, uh, for a day or two. Angie Coiro will be in for us on the uh, next broadcast or two. We will be back thereafter. Lord willing, uh, until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. And if you missed any portion of this program or any other, you can download them for free at bradblog.com anytime, going back years and years as uh, none of this is 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 new. Uh, <laughs> no. We have been warning about this for so many years. You can download uh, all of our uh, reports, trying to get these messages out there at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters, where I hope you will find, follow, and share me as well there. I am the Brad Blog. And, of course, as always, my thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves, our public airwaves. No, we do not uh, get corporate funding. We do not get political funding. We do not get uh, socialist funding from the government, even though these are our public airwaves. We rely on you at bradblog.com slash donate. If you can help, it is always greatly appreciated. All right, that is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman, and I mean it. Good luck, world. Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got Till it's gone To be paradise Put up a fucking lie And now they pay paradise To put up a fucking